hi, I'm Steve. Yeah, but what would you drink? Would you drink Chinese whiskey, Steve? Uh, Japanese whiskey is great. Everyone knows that. American whiskey is great. But where, where do you draw the line? Where, where are you going to drink Indonesian whiskey? I think Indonesian whiskey will probably become more popular before Chinese whiskey does. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steven. This is 60 Cycle Hum. The guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, playing, reviewing podcast. That's right. I it left is a one. podcast. I think I left one out. You switched them. Oh, okay. You said reviewing. No, you said playing, reviewing. Usually you say reviewing, playing. Because we tacked on playing last. Like we did a bunch of episodes before we added playing. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. It's a guitar podcast. If it's your first time, welcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> If it's your first time, we will not pick up. Well, no, we will not play a guitar in the next hour or so. So if no. you're here, no playing. To watch people play guitars. Sorry, go pick another video. Don't leave us a comment about go it. Go watch that pedal show. That's what they do. We I, we save the playing for the demos. This is a guitar show we, where we look at the most redonkulous of reverb the most egregious of ebay the crankiest of craigslist the ostentatious of offer up <laughs> i hate this bit so oh, much why do you hate it's it my least favorite bit it's us just teasing it's so fluff. long ryan this first yes, staff Steve. was sent by andrew atkins that's true and by the way we give away a $25 prize, a digital gift certificate printed on heavy virtual cardstock. I do. I, I have adapted to this bit. I'm, I'm happier with this bit. Every single episode and every single episode, we cover three ads from the used market sent by someone like you. So if you want to win a $25 virtual digital gift certificate, then send us crazy ads from your local or from global used listings. Listings. We want to see them, and we want to give you money from our Patreons. The Patreons fund that. We'll talk about that later. So, yes, this is for uh, lot number 546 Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, Stage Played, Sky Stang 1, Fender Mustang, Electric Guitar, Reserve Not Met. Current bid is $600,000. There's only been one bid. The estimate is... Goes from one million to two million dollars. The starting Holy bid was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Steve, uh, current bid is it's after two bids is seven hundred thousand dollars. I'm looking at. Oh, you just looked now. it up right now. Uh, this is a 1993 Fender MG69 Japanese Sonic Blue. I found the description too. That's why I looked it up. Uh, it's known as Sky Stang One, and it is the most well documented and recognizable of Kurt's stage instruments and certainly his most used on the 93, 94 in Euro tour with the 30th anniversary of Nirvana's third and final studio album in utero. It's fitting that the first single released from that album heart shaped box also is the last song Kurt ever publicly performed on this guitar. Uh, there's a whole bunch of like other information about uh, how the, how just a lot of Nirvana things. Sure. Nirvana uh, things, you know. Nirvana things. So my my point of my, the the thing I want to talk about, the thing that's rattling around in my head ever since grabbing these screen grabs to talk about on the show. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I don't know what the most expensive, like, classic rock guitars are going for. I have to imagine that this is one of the most expensive, like, Gen Xer guitars that's going to be up for sale for quite a while. It feels weird. Yeah. It feels weird to me to have a, you know, a Gen Xy sort of piece of memorabilia going for huge six-figure numbers, seven-figure numbers. Oh, yeah, this is the one that Mike documented? This is the one that Mike documented. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, if it does fetch $2 million, like, for the rich people out there, that's really not a lot to own a piece of music history. Mm-hmm that is still relatively fresh and current in living people's minds. And like, you know, like tons of young people love Nirvana now. And maybe there's like, you know, crypto millennials out there who are super filthy rich. You just want to buy stuff like this, but it feels weird to me. Like growing up in the nineties, I was a teen in the nineties. I was socially and, and, and like, I was, I was culturally aware. Right. Of Nirvana before Kurt passed. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was there for it, but it feels weird to me to have things become memorabilia and become valued to that level. And also there's an element of like the value in Nirvana's music, the value in Kurt Mm -hmm. as a musician was not in him as, you know, some like fantastic guitar player. Right. It was all about tude. It was all about attitude and, and stage presence. It was all about uh, being at the, in the right cultural time at the right cultural moment. It was, it was all about capturing the voice of that generation. And the guitar, was, it was there. The guitars were there. Yeah. But it's not like, it, it, it's not like this is Jimi Hendrix Strat or something like that. Like, oh, this is the device that this perfect, you know, classic playing flowed through or whatever. Sure. It's not for the instrument. It is purely for the cultural connection because it's not, it's not like, oh, if you, if you had this, finally you'd be able to play like Kurt. You can go, go buy yourself uh, one of the, the $160 Squire Sonic uh, bullet Mustang things. And that's all you need to sound like Kurt. Like that's that's that, the that's reality the, of it. That's the idea, right? Like and run it in, run it through. A, you get the dirtiest a DS one into a yeah. Mesa, and and you're there. What's what do you think actually is, um, the equivalent? Like what what's the current modern equivalent to this guitar? Oh, I have no idea. I'm a, I'm a, a middle aged man, Steve. I. I maybe maybe something that okay so if it's probably just like a late nineties early two thousand oh like, I see what I thought ne- you meant within like as far as celebrity connection goes oh no 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 okay okay, okay no yeah. I meant like okay so the this whole, is an Mij Mustang yeah the whole that thing came about, out in the early nineties right it, it's probably comparable in quality like on, like this is gonna piss some people off it's probably comparable in quality to a current. Uh, made in Mexico, like Ventera two Mustang. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I I guess I hadn't thought about that. I I was thinking about it more from the perspective of like because Kurt's other guitars were kind of he had this reputation for like the reason he played Mustangs and whatever is because you could get them in dirt cheap in pawn shops. So I'm not necessarily saying this particular guitar, but like oh. what, what's the modern equivalent to like. An early the Mustang in the early nineties. And I've got, I'm thinking it's like 
that same time period Mexican strat. Like, what are you going to yeah. walk into a pawn shop and pick up for under 500 bucks? Right. Something somewhat undervalued, but that has potential to be a great player that is just totally yeah. fine. I like, yeah, a, a 90s Mexican strat is, is, would fit the bill for sure. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's There's been so many guitars over the years. I think if Kurt was around right now, mm-hmm. he would probably be picking up all these, you know, like $200, $300 off-brand Amazon guitars yeah. and stuff like that. He wouldn't be going to pawn shops because pawn shops aren't really the place to go anymore. He'd be like, that one looks funny. I'm going to grab that one. Like, that's. I think that's what it would come down to. We're like, oh, I like short scale, so I'm going to grab that one. Oh, that one's lefty. I'm going to grab it. I like the color. Like, I think that's the level of decision-making that was going on, which is great. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe he was so incredibly picky. I mean, the fact that this still has, from as far as I can tell now, maybe it's blocked off, but it still has the Mustang vibrato on it makes me think, like, he didn't, if he'd, I was always under the chance to go to town on it, or was he okay with the Mustang? I was always under the impression that like he would play stuff, he would break it, and then his text would like glue it back together and be like, "Ah, man, he was falling out of tune. I'm going to hardtail this thing, and he wouldn't care or whatever." Gotcha. Maybe I'm just maybe I have my own lore for Kurt Cobain in my mind. I love this fat crack that's on the. I know thing that's wild. I will say like. If we saw that on any regular listing, we'd be like, ooh. Yeah. But because Kurt did that crack, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what you're paying for. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not going to buy this and play it. It's, it's a collector's item. Do you think realistically <coughs> this is just going to end up in the Jim Irsay collection? It's going to end up in a glass case somewhere. Like, so Jim Irsay is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. He owns like a ton of these instruments. Okay. Like he owns, the, I think he owns the David Gilmore Strat. He owns like a John Lennon Rickenbacker. He owns, I think, a Neil Sean from Journey. He, It's like, they call it like. But the, those are like previous decades. They are, decades. Pre- they are previous would, decades. Do you think but, he would care about this? But he's only 64 years old. But that's old enough to be grumpy about grunge. Do you think if you're in your 30s in 19 in 1993 you're grumpy about grunge? I mean maybe. A lot a lot of people you were. Maybe were. Because if you were in your 30s in 1993, it meant you were in your 20s yeah. in 1983, which means that like and if he's buying classic rock guitars, it means he was probably like a grumpy 20 something uh about like hair metal. Yeah, he owns like the. He was like poison. Get rid of this trash. I want to listen to Zeppelin. You he know? owns like uh, one of the. I'm just making stuff up he about owns people. The, this he owns episode. the Prince guitar. He owns okay. like the Prince Cloud. Uh, he owns the one of the Jerry Garcia. Were they Alembics? I'm not sure what. what sure, but, sure. You know the yeah 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 the Jerry Garcia the funny shaped like yeah. fried chicken ones. So. But it's, I think it's going to be someone like that. The the nice thing with Jim Irsay is he does. Someone's going to jump on me for this. And I'm saying a nice thing about a billionaire, but he does put all these guitars on like city tours. Oh, okay. So like he has a tour that will. Does he I, charge I, for him? Probably. Ah, bastard. Yeah, make it. He spent millions of dollars on guitars just so he could charge a but museum he's make fee. It an investment. If he wants, he, he wants to be a cool rich guy who's just like sharing yeah. the, the pleasure of getting to see these things preserved. 
that's a, that's that's a different thing. Have a museum, let people come see it. But when it becomes a an investment, it's like ah, it's freaking billion. I mean, I think it's probably just to cover the cost of the tour, not trying to make money off of the instruments directly. Mm. It's not like uh, my favorite. My it's not favorite. like you're driving to the the wall wall drug. You're gonna pay five dollars to look at the wall, right, or whatever the, the spot. wall. The spot, yeah. The, you know what I'm talking about. I know, you're road, like road, weird little roadside attractions. Yeah, yeah. All right, what were you going to say? I was going to say my favorite thing about billionaires is probably the tenderloin. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I thought for a second. That's an eat the rich joke. I thought for a second you were going to go there, and then I thought he's not going to go there. <laughs> I went there. That's too crass. Yeah. And then you went there. Um <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't have like a strong connection to this instrument. I think it's, it is kind of wild that this well, guitar that would have been like a thousand dollars, you know, maybe brand new, is, but it's all about who owned it. It wouldn't you know? have been a thousand dollars when he bought it. It would have, it would have probably been, probably three, would have been three hundred actually. Yeah, it probably it would have been three ninety nine uh, or two ninety nine or something like that. It's probably a little more. I'm, I would guess it was like six hundred. If you bought it in a pawn shop, I don't know. Oh, man. if you bought it in a pawn in shop in ninety three, in ninety three though, he probably was buying it from Fender. He might have. I don't know. By ninety three, could have been a personal gift from Leo himself. Yeah, was Leo still alive? I don't. Leo wasn't at Fender in nineteen. I know, but he was, was he still alive? I don't know. Huh. How could you guys have a guitar podcast and you don't even know when I, Leo Fender died? I think he was. He. Oh, I think he died in ninety one. Uh. You want to take a guess? I don't. I have I have no sense of that. Uh, was it 91? Oh, I was right. It is wow. 1991. I do deserve you to have a guitar it. podcast. Um, But I think, you know, by the time they were on the... Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> by the time they were doing In Utero, I, I, they were also already in negotiations with Fender for the Jagstang designs i think 90 sure, sure at least by the second half of the in utero tour they were in negotiations for that because fender had prototypes by the end of that tour so something that so some sorry to interrupt you no no that so i'm just saying like right i think there's a pretty good chance and it actually was in the julian julian story uh-huh. had i kept it open i could look it up but it doesn't really matter i'm just saying I, he probably did not pawn shop this one 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 of the reasons it feels funny to me even though I totally understand. I understand why it's a collector's item and it's going to sell for millions yeah. of dollars. One of the reasons it feels funny to me is because having grown up in that generation, you're a couple of years behind me, so you weren't really... I'm just a kid. You were just a kid at the time. You weren't fully like like part or like experiencing that media yeah. culture. It was all about cynicism towards things of, of value. Right. It was all about cynicism towards classic rock and shredding and you know you know like finger gymnastics is cynicism towards perfectly polished like record label bs and stuff Mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. and to have this thing now be you know this highly collectible high dollar value sort of thing is the opposite of that it feels very strange like the reason he was buying pawn shop guitars and smashing them on stage because it was this whole mentality of like none of this stuff matters like not like 
the music industry is a joke. Like this is this, like, this is, you know, like, like this just destroy all this stuff. Like nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing really matters. It was, it was basically how everything felt. And so let's just like do whatever. I literally just opened this to the thing we were talking about earlier. I went back to the Julian's page cause I wanted to look something up. Uh, and the vibrato has been hardtailed. Okay. And the string an- the string anchor tube is flipped, so you can't see the balls. Because ah. usually the bo- you right right it wraps. Uh, it's also has the Tom installed bridge instead of the Mustang bridge. Mm. Uh, what I was trying to figure out though is who actually owns this right now. I don't know. It's up for the guitar option. is owned by Kurt's brother. Oh, okay. and is on loan and has been on loan to Seattle's Mopop uh experience music project since 2007 so it's been on display since 2009 i should give my brother a couple guitars in case i die famous <laughs> just to help him out you know like in in 30 years my hey if you need some money in 30 years i mean this. my guess this was like i'm not gonna die probably famous. as some sort of somehow like in his will or something it is nice that this isn't that this isn't just a oh he played it one time or yeah like this yeah. this is a the one that he played and it has the modifications that he's known for having. It's got all, well, it's in all, yeah, it's in all the pictures, right? It's in all the pictures. It's got battle damage. You know, it's been modified the the ways that he had things modified. It's the real deal. We're treating this too much like a topic, Ryan, and not enough like an ad. That's right. At six, at uh, an estimated one to $2 million. Is this a buy, buy, buy or a buy, buy, buy? Someone out there is going to buy it. Yeah. That's right. Everyone else is going to say bye, bye, bye because think- it's 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 you know it's an auction. Like there can only be one yeah. winner. How long does this go? This goes until uh, it looks like there's no race to the bottom for this. November. I'm not sure how long this is running. Looks like maybe mid November. Because uh, I just want to know like the- how. Like, when will this end? I want to know when it's ending. In my mind, the ideal situation for this auction is that Janine Garofalo wins it. She has the money. I believe in my heart she has the money to just toss around to do this. Janine Garofalo wins it. She goes to accept it at the auction house, and then she does the pure 90s thing that should be done anyways, and she smashes it on stage. And then lights it on fire. And then light, Yeah, just like she throws it up in the air. She lets it fall. It smashes everywhere. And then she, yeah, she lights it on fire or she passes pieces out to the crowd, mm-hmm. you know. Do you think she's got that kind of money? I have no idea how much money Janine Garofalo has. All right, Ryan, here's something maybe you could afford. I want you to guess the current price. But I was you know, trying to pull a celebrity that was like of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot time. more. Here's maybe. Not a, just of the time, but also of the vibe. Oh, yeah. I was going to say uh, more likely celebrity, but not of the vibe. Maybe a little bit of the vibe, but it kind of grew out of the vibe. I was going to, but might have more likely to have the money. I was going to say Ben Affleck. Yeah. He doesn't have the vibe. Uh, he has the money. Yeah. He's got the money. He don't have the vibe. No one who has the vibe has the money. I'm just, <laughs> no one who has the vibe has the money because the vibe means you don't have the money. Like that's the reality of it. Uh, but that's also like what I, what I'm pitching is that this doesn't, this, this guitar, the soul of it, the spirit of it, the mojo mm-hmm. of it. Mojo Nixon. It doesn't. <laughs> if your podcast doesn't have Mojo Nixon, then your podcast needs some fixing. This guitar 
wants a funeral. It doesn't want a glass casket. Right. It wants a cremation. It doesn't want to be preserved for a thousand years. It wants to, it wants to, it wants to be like Kurt Cobain, you know, lot number 547, his pants, Kurt Cobain photo matched stain worn heart shaped box video worn and MTV awards event worn Levi jeans with book. How much do you think this is estimated at? Oh my gosh. These are a I pair hate, of these are I hate this. Basically, I think a pair of 501s. Right. They're Levi's button-ups. I think they're yeah, Levi's button-up jeans. I don't know. Uh they're, they're starting at $800,000. I don't know. <laughs> Not quite that bad. It was uh, like $56,000. No, these are estimated to be worth between 10 and $20,000. Almost of these are practically afforded jeans. Maybe <laughs> I could refinance my house and buy these. And then I have Kurt Cobain's pants, and I could try to squeeze into them. How about um, Kurt Cobain's cardigan? Six to eight thousand dollars. Gosh. All right, that's all I'm going to do. Again, like I'm projecting what you know, my impression of 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 of, of Kurt was, and right. I was I was a I was thirteen when he died, maybe twelve, something like that. Maybe fourteen. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I can't place the date right now. Um, he would hate that. Is is my impress? Is is the right. impression that I got right. of of that person? And you know, we've only we've only know him through media. We only yeah. know him through the, the media, the music. stupid interviews on MTV and stuff like that. I think he would hate that. I think he would hate that his clothes are being sold for five figures. Do you think Dave is getting pressured to buy this right now? he could, he could buy all this stuff. He could buy, he could at least buy the, like, I'm not Court, saying he's going to do it. He could buy all this stuff. I don't know if Courtney could buy all she's this stuff. She's got, all, she's got the estate, man. Yeah. But does she actually have money? Every time you see a Nirvana shirt, she's getting yeah. a piece. Yeah, Every time. True. You know, her kid and also his kid. I know. Kid I know. Is, I know. is marrying I know. Tony Hawk's kid. I know. That's weird. It's not that weird. That, that actually, me. that if you went, if you went back to 1995, it would make a lot more, yeah, it makes a lot like, of sense. Oh, Kurt Cobain's daughter is going to marry Tony Hawk's son. It makes, I'd be like, wow, can I go to the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be the coolest wedding ever. The super, obviously the super. That's like if, if little grungy boys in the, in the mid nineties had, had dolls and oh they could play and be like, God. we're getting married and they're that. <laughs> It sounds made up. Well, you're you are literally <laughs> making it up right now. So I know I'm I'm making up a lot of stuff this episode. Oh, All right, people are going to be pissed, great. or they're going to be fine with it, which is fine too. Ryan, yeah, Steve. Uh, this past week or so, mm-hmm. uh, actually the past few weeks, I have purchased guitar picks on our account. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have purchased That's why we don't have any money anymore. I have purchased stickers uh-huh. on our account and I have purchased magnets on our account. And all of these things are paid through by uh the Patreon. That's true, Steve. Uh and adding on to uh uh helping us with Patreon this week at the $1 level is Kirk Satoff Satoff I'm I'm not sure Safoff. how to say your name, sir. Kurt Safoff. And at the $10 level, Derek Stone. So A $10 level. Thank you, Kirk and Derek, uh, for the support. And those are the kinds of things I, I saw like, oh, actually, I think 
we might be com- I might be completely out of stickers. So that's why I ordered those stickers. Yeah. I realized thanks to uh, Google, so many websites using Google for authentication, I can just log into all of our like a bunch of our accounts without a password because yeah. I have the Google password. Steve, Steve's dangerous now. You just go buy stuff. Um, so that, but it also means like when we need merch resupply, I can just do it and have it sent to my house. But all of that merch that goes to the best friends level and the inner circle level and the bragging rights level, uh, all of that is actually supported by the Patreon fund itself. So also uh, thanks to all of you that we can buy stickers. We'll probably take some stickers and picks to Nam and just sure give some out. of those away too. We've got two Patreon funded videos coming out soon. They're two different guitars mm. that are going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then, Mentioning those and all the other stuff that we just bought, uh, we're in the red now. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, now, now the the show is officially borrowing from the bank of Ryan, <laughs> and I just balanced our books, and I usually do it quarterly, so that means we've got three months until we have money. And that kind of seems like cheating. Yeah, I'll, I'll balance when we get our next Patreon payment. I'll I'll do the books again, so we can have some money in there, but. If you're thinking about supporting us, you can help get us out of the red <laughs> the next month or so. And we've got, I hate to bring it up again, we got NAM coming up in three months, and that is likely going to cost us about $1,500. Oh, right, right, right. After right. hotel and travel yep. and food yep. and things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, after well, I Ryan, do, if you'd stop buying freaking $100 bottles of champagne for every meal... Well, actually, this we usually order Mexican food, and tonight, we had hot dogs. tonight we had hot dogs. I was like, I'm just gonna make hot dogs. Let's let's not let's not feed everyone Mexican food tonight. Next let's look at week, hot dogs. Cold cut sandwiches. Next week it's gonna be peanut butter and jellies. <laughs> uh, but It'll be th- soup. Thanks everyone in the Patreon. If you want to support the show, head on over to Patreon.com/slash sixty. Cycle Humcast, we super appreciate we do. everybody who's in there. And if no, if everyone canceled and stopped paying us, we would st- we would find a way to continue on. Yeah. It would just things would be different. We wouldn't things have would stuff. Be a little different. Uh, while we, you know, I just want to say, after us uh, sitting here and complaining about not having money, this this whiskey is excellent. Huge thanks to Jason Welch. He sent this for our 500th episode celebration. Uh, Monkey Shoulder, the original yeah. blended malt Scotch whiskey. Fantastic. Thank you, Jason Welch. This is beautiful, beautiful stuff. Cheers. Cheers, Steve. We weren't uh, in person last time we recorded. So it's nice to have you back in the garage. People asked why we didn't do the 500 together. And I was like, because I don't want to sleep on Ryan's couch. I also like you don't want to drive down on a Sunday, on a Sunday just to do what like Steve comes here on Wednesday nights to after do the podcast my, with me. My work. Because he works down the road. Like, he's not going to do that on a Sunday. He, he lives like an hour away. This episode is brought to y'all by Stringjoy. That's right, Steve. Uh, crafted in Nashville, Tennessee. Played on stages worldwide. These are the orbiters. These are a coated string. They are enamel coated, so it's going to be different. Just like from your teeth. that rubbery, uh, you know, coating that's used on yeah. elixirs and some other brands. Uh, this is like a enamel coated. And, yeah, it is. I think it's more like your teeth. It's like a ceramic. What? See, here's my hot pitch. What's your hot pitch? Why would you want to play strings that feel like your strings are wearing a condom when you could play strings that feel like teeth? Is that a good pitch? Use the link below so <laughs> string join knows we sent you and use code 
H-U-M at checkout to save 10%. String joy. (sighs) (laughs) This next ad... This next ad uh, was sent by Jason Welch. Speaking of. Oh, speak uh, of the Welch. Jason. 1979 PVT 40. A little dusty. a little bit. What the f- <laughs> Haven't wiped it off in 30 years in clean, straight. Everything is there. Body cracked on one side <laughs> a little, but not anywhere. What? That Oh, not anywhere that affects the neck or components. Couple of screws and some glue won't even notice. Worth a lot more. I could clean it, but it's better to let the new owner enjoy this. I'll take five hundred with trade of something. Uh, the penny fell there has nothing to do with it. What the penny fell there has nothing to do with anything. What penny? This is written in gibberish. Right. It's this guitar. Oh, oh, is oh here's the. To- I found the penny. I found the penny. It's right there. Oh, there's just a penny like lodged in the bridge in one picture. In one picture, it has two strings, and in the penny picture, it has one string. There's another guitar in the picture, too. I want to see that guitar. It looks like a Telecaster. You think so? It's some kind of caster. It, it's definitely a caster. I don't know if it's an off, off-brand caster or, or a real caster. It could be another PV for all we know. I don't, my gut is telling me that's a Stratocaster. You think it's a Stratocaster? I don't it think that's a Tele. You're right, you're right. It's too, it's that, too pointed it's, to be a What tele. does it say about me that I can look at just a fragment of a lower horn on a guitar and decide with complete certainty that it is one guitar and not another? That's sick. I shouldn't, I shouldn't know this much stuff. There's no pictures of this supposed crack. This is in North Hollywood? What's going on, North Hollywood? Whoa, door pickup. Should I go get this? Yeah, you could. For 600 bucks, though, Steve, I feel like you should bring more money because it's definitely worth more than that, right? What's this trade? He says, I'll take 500 with trade of something. Like, of what? <laughs> Some, literally anything. Of what? Literally anything, Steve. <laughs> He's saying he'd accept $100 worth of trade. No. <laughs> If you have something worth a hundred dollars, Steve, oh, I have, I have that uh, the Angelico baritone listed. Yeah, someone offered me a trade for a bunch of office equipment, like a projector and like a fax machine. <laughs> Who sends faxes? I don't know. It was what really. Is I didn't even reply because I was like, I don't, I don't know what to like. I they they just told me like, oh, I've got this projector and I have this fax machine. Are you interested? Like what the hell? I do say in the in the in the ad, it's like a Craigslist ad. I was like, open to interesting trades. That is an interesting trade. I have to admit. <sighs> this I, thing, okay, okay. I can hold on. No, I can go on Reverb right now. I feel like there's something wrong with this. Oh, it doesn't have original pickups. I think it says all original, but it doesn't look all original. Oh no, it is all original. They're just funky pictures. This guitar body is worn. They want six fifty plus shipping of one fifty, right. so eight hundred bucks to get. I think that's like the cheapest PVT forty on is like we're looking at about eight hundred dollars for eight hundred dollars versus this six hundred dollars. By the time you sand, by the time you like, this use needs your more than sanding. Water jet to clear all that. I'm gonna borrow my neighbor's pressure washer. I am going to, to assume 
that all that grime on the guitar is held on with cat piss. I'm going to assume that all of the grime on that guitar is structural, and after you remove it, the guitar is going to fall apart. Want to know something wild? The picture that has the, the two strings in it? Yeah. The second string isn't even attached to a tuner. It's like it's missing a tuner. But the string is tied around the string tree. What the look? It ends at the string tree. They like just looped it around there. Like, yeah, it's got two strings on it. This dude, this dude is so filthy. This guy's life is such a mess that he posted pictures of this guitar and described it and didn't even realize. That it's missing a tuner. This is not. It is a playable instrument, but is a not is a, it is not a complete instrument. It is a playable three string bass that happens to be coated in cat piss and dander. I would also like to point out various other filth. In one of the pictures, it is sitting on a couch that has been has a bunch of probably piss stains on it. Or some other kind of water stain. Well, there's definitely like that magic marker graffiti on it. That well, those are tracings of like the flower pattern of the couch itself. Oh, weird. Uh, because this is like a white couch that's got like that embossed flower thing going on. But here's the thing that I'm kind of terrified by. This is sort of like a '90s thing that I thought mostly went away. In the other pictures. The other picture, I guess. There's only two pictures, yeah. Uh, It is sitting on the bench seat of a minivan. Yeah, I love that. Makes me miss my Dodge Caravan days. This dude's like, you know where's a good place to take a picture of this base I have? On the bench seat of a minivan. He probably doesn't actually own a minivan. He just owns the bench seat. That bench seat is the cleanest looking thing in in the picture. It is pretty clean Actually, the cleanest looking thing is the open... A uh, five-gallon tub of Tide laundry detergent. <laughs> oh, is that? I, I just think, thought that was cocaine. I think no, Steve. I that's care. way too much cocaine. I'm. If care. this guy had that much cocaine, he wouldn't be selling this guitar. He'd he'd be selling that cocaine. <laughs> I think this this picture is in a laundry room or something. There's like a a clothes hanger. There's a there's a pony toy. There's a framed painting. There's a floor fan. Um. It's in North Hollywood, so like I don't know. It's 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 in someone's like converted garage or something. So this is obviously a bye 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 uh, bye and in then its bye. current state. But I would I if if I had been shopping for a T forty, I would offer this guy two fifty. I would, dude. I, I would steal the number I out was of your head. Thinking two fifty. Yeah, we we've, we've been doing this a long time, Steve. It's missing. It's missing that tuner. But I don't, in my memory, I don't know that those PV tuners would be that hard to replace. You might even be able to contact PV. As long as you use the right email address, don't use the email address that KDH used when he tried to contact PV. The one that he just pulled out of his Uh, ass and like, this must be it. uh, Use use an actual one. PV at PV.PVCom. Or call them. uh, and And maybe they'll... I wouldn't even... They might have that tuner still. The tuner is the least of my concerns. If I could track it down easily, I would. If not, I'm just going to get another tuner. Uh, I'll salvage it off of something else, or I'll just live with a three-string bass. The cleaning part is like, this looks really, really gross. In like, the, this in is the one like, string, I'm, not, I'm not someone who gets worked up about gross things. Like I, I, I've got two young kids. I clean up poop and pee and vomit and stuff, and I don't flinch. It's fine. But like, what is going on here? 
Like, this, this is disgusting. This white couch picture is an older picture because it's cleaner in that picture. How did it get dirtier? Like, look at the, like, zoom or, in on the headstock. No, no, no. I think they started to clean it. You think they started cleaning because they because this has the second string. They they didn't they didn't they didn't make it dirty and put another string on it. I don't know. You think that's what it is? <coughs> Excuse that, me. That could that could be true. I think I think they did try to clean it. I mean, why was the penny? I guess the you would assume the penny is in the newest one. I think two fifty is is about right for this. This it, go pick you go check it out. You have to go scout this out. Check, like check, even check, that, check, check, check it out. Even in the cleaned up photo, like it looks like there's water or grease or piss damage on the neck, around the nut, uh, on the edges of the the fretboard. Um, the body looks like it's been significantly cleaned up, but still, just like ew, ew, what's going on here? Um, you go go check it out in person. See if it smells. If it smells. After being cleaned, one seventy five, <laughs> and then you then you take it apart and you soak it in bleach or something. Uh, if it doesn't smell, if this doesn't smell, mm-hmm. I I feel like I could go three seventy five on and it. And from my house to the estimated location of this base is about ninety three miles. That is a haul. That's a haul. Not as far as it is from here. You, but still maybe a haul. you could meet you halfway. No, because I want as much leverage as I can to get this thing down to like $200, $250. No matter what you, what happens, though, if it stinks like cat piss, you're driving away without it. So might as well meet halfway. I mean, I already own a cat, so. It's going to get cat piss on it anyways. Yeah. In the guy's uh, pro Facebook profile, he's got like and a, cat piss is being generous. It could be a wide variety of pisses. He's wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey, and he's I'm got to stock the dude. G- I did mean, you it's fi- a Facebook listing? Did you find his, his listing? Yeah, because that p that because it's in Southern California, so right, it'll show right. up in Facebook Marketplace. Okay, all right. I just wanted to see the listing. I know. So I feel like I've spoke my piece on this. What about you, Steve? I kind of want to make an offer. Ah, Steve. At like 200 and see what he says. Be like, this is. How long is it going to take you to get this thing? This is beat to hell. It's missing a tuner. $200. This is what comp. I already own a PVT 20. I can have. You have have a whole set. set. You just have to piss all over your your P20. No way. That's not going to (laughs) happen. Offer him 200. At $200. I support your decision to drive to, to to North Hollywood. Problem is, is I don't know if I have time in my schedule to get over there. Listen, if if he doesn't, if he gets, <laughs> if he sells it before you get over there, then he's done you a favor. That's true, but All it's right? been up for at least two weeks, so no one's going to buy it. You, you offer him two hundred. Say my offer is two hundred. Let me know when you're willing to accept it. You know that's got to be the approach, Ryan. That's the approach. Yes, Steve. What's new, man? Uh, you want to talk about this giveaway you did? Yeah, I just shipped out that Beatronics pedal. I pitched this idea to Beatronics like three demos ago, and uh-huh. they they finally were like, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's do it. And we did it, <laughs> and it was a great idea. And it was, it's always fun to give stuff away. I had them send me two of the same pedal, the uh, the Nectar Fuzz that right. just came out, Fuzz slash Overdrive. 
And that meant I get to play them in stereo mm -hmm. at the end of the mm -hmm. video and do weird combinations with them. And then the the second one they sent was special art. It was in this bright pumpkin orange versus the honey yellow that the, the normal one comes in. I don't oh, have cool. it right now because I've actually got it on my gigging pedal board because it actually sounds really great. And I've been loving using it. But I just shipped out uh, the pedal to the winner uh, yesterday, yeah. I think. Congrats, Randall. Congratulations, Randall. I hope you enjoy it by the time this airs. He's got it in hand unless yeah. uh, UPS lost it. Uh, but they don't do that, right? UPS is reputable, right? Yeah. We've always said like we don't really enjoy doing giveaways, but I think we don't like running we giveaways. We don't like that's what it is, is we don't like running giveaways. And so I think if a brand a comes in and jog at best. If if a company comes in and they you know need to generate an email list or something and they want to do that through giveaway, sure. You can probably make that happen. If someone else chooses and decides who wins it makes it easy for us it's like oh of course yeah give me a link we'll put the link we'll say click the link then you'll win and then and then we just ship it somewhere that's yeah. great but we've definitely shot ourselves in the foot over and over and over again in the past doing ridiculous like contests and stuff where we have to go through piles and piles of entries and just sit there and sweat yeah. like who's going to be pissed because we didn't pick them because they definitely had the best one, but we didn't see it for some reason. It's like the anxiety of that is not fun for us. No bueno. No bueno. No bueno. But this, that like, contests like that are great, you know? Agree. Yeah. Also, I uh, gave away that, uh, that G and L last right, on week. the 500th. Yeah. But we, but I actually, I gave it to the guy. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, he was local. Wild coincidence. He turned out to be very, very local. I, I was crossing my fingers, hoping that they would be in the United States. So I wouldn't have to fill out a long <laughs> right. form. I didn't check any of the entries. I didn't like snoop anyone out to figure out what was going on. And then he just turned out to be local. Not only local, he lives in the same neighborhood as, uh, as, uh, some family members. Oh, okay. So he was like, oh, I think I've seen you in my neighborhood before, <laughs> like around holidays. And like, oh my gosh, you totally have. But he, he took me out for a beer. I gave him the guitar. It was great. Had a great conversation with him. Cool, man. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I love that sort of stuff. And thanks, like another thanks, thing. like Thanks for the invite. <laughs> Whatever. I'll invite you next time, Steve. We went nah, to. That's uh, probably a Menifee. So. We went to, uh, to Fall Brewing over. Uh, off of Miramar. Oh, cool. Yeah, I hadn't been to that one yet. It was good. They had a, they had a black lager. Oh, black, I, I love, love black lagers. I love a black lager. You don't see yeah. them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Black, log, I, black lagers and black IPAs, you don't see them a lot, and they're always, like, really... I like when those kinds of things are subverted. The one that's, like, always real harsh on my brain, though, is Golden Stouts. Mm. Yeah. Because I've, you, I've had, like, a black lager... Well, black lager, black IPA are different... But a black IPA is just like a more bitter version of like an amber ale a lot of the times, like in terms of general flavor palette. Well, a black lager is nice because you get that drinkability of a lager, but then you get like more of a caramelized yeah. kind of like malty it's sort like of thing mixed in. It's like a super malty lager. Right. Golden stouts, you look at it and you're expecting... Like a half, like a half. Yeah, exactly. But and then it turns out a, it's like you're getting, you're drinking gold coffee. Right, right. It's thick, like a brownie that hasn't yeah. been baked yet. Like ba brownie batter is what I should have said. <laughs> it's thick, like brownie batter, and you're just. 
I got a. I that got, was gross. I know. Dude. Don't ever make that sound again. I got a. I got a really thick like imperial stout at a local brewery like a month ago. Oh yeah. And it was it was hard to get through. Like I I got the ten ounce instead of the four ounce. I should have gotten a two ounce. It's <laughs> <laughs> it like thick like molasses. Holy heck. Uh, it was like an after uh, band practice. Like, oh, cool. Let's go hit a brewery sort of thing. All right. Nice. Uh, what's next? Do we, uh, do we want to tackle a topic? Uh, I had this thought. We could do this for my show. for my what's new. Oh yeah, what's your what's new, Steve? Um, I was watching. So I was watching on my last live stream with Philip. We finally got Bully on Bully the Kid. Yeah, that was great. Uh, who's a bass YouTuber? And then that evening, I went and watched his live stream. Why weren't you on his live stream? Because I was cooking dinner when oh, he, okay, went yeah. he sent me the link and I was like, dude, I'm in the middle of cooking and eating. And by the time I was like freed up, there was like five minutes left on his stream. Um, but I was watching all of the creators in his space and I kind of think I want to mimic like the lighting on a lot of their channels where they do like the forward, like they do like the, the front light like this, but probably a lot smaller, sure, probably sure. more like ring light. And then all, everything in the background is just like the little LEDs, so it's all moody. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like I've got this LED strip back here. Yeah, you could do something like so that. Was, so they just, run, I think, like a few of the guys, they just run like an LED strip or a couple like LED spots, mm -hmm. and then just like a ring light. I was thinking like that could be cool in, in my office. Yeah, just a thought. Just, just a, a thought, thought I had when we have money and Patreon yeah. fund again. You can go buy yourself uh, uh, an LED light with a softbox on it or something like that. Oh, do we want to do mail? Yeah. Do do mail no, episode? no. We this this episode's running long. Let's All save right, mail let's for mail. Sorry, everyone that sent mail. We're gonna save it for next time, and it's gonna be great. All right. This uh, next sponsor is Chase Bliss. This is the blooper. This is the blooper from goes bloop bloop Chase Bliss. Why doesn't yours have like the Chase Bliss sticker on the back with the serial number and all that? I, I don't before know. they did that maybe, maybe because it was uh it, it, it was a demo unit maybe blooper this is uh one of several pedals that you can get from chase bliss if you head on over to chasebliss.com yeah they've been supporting the show for years and maybe you should consider supporting them back if you're shopping for your own personal christmas gifts for yourself or for friends or family members please consider chase bliss this holiday season you don't have to wait for christmas buy your grandma a chase bliss pedal for thanksgiving why not? You ready for this pitch, Ryan? I'm ready for the pitch, Steve. We're all out there chasing something. Ah, maybe you true. should consider chasing bliss. <sighs> Good pitch. Oh no, Steve. no, it should be. Maybe you should take some time to chase bliss. Mm, there this we holiday go. season. Nice pitch. Take some time to yourself to chase your own bliss. All right, Ryan. This we should be in advertising. This topic. We are in advertising. Uh, this topic. I can't look it up. Did you I got a, a screen grab. You got I got a screen a, grab. I got a screen grab. Kyle uh, Barnhart asks, arguably made in USA and made in Japan guitars are the most sought after and respected. Do you think this will ever change? And if so, which country do you think could potentially be the next big thing in guitar geography? A geography topic, Steve. Ooh. I'm just going to say... The only reasons, well, not the only reasons, but the current main reason why USA-made guitars mm -hmm. are considered, you know, high-end, considered desirable, is because the companies structure their products that way. It's because they decide this is where we are going to make our higher-end models with USA 
staff with USA workers right. because there is a built-in, you know, kind of like marketing angle where people associate mm-hmm. made domestically, made in USA as being the higher quality product. So we were going to pour our funds into making the higher quality product here. Any of these brands, your Fenders, your Gibsons, your Ibanezes, so on and so on and so on, your ESPs and so on and so on, they could all decide we're going to pour our resources into making our very, very, very best guitars literally anywhere. Right. Literally anywhere. But there's not an existing uh, uh, consumer sort of like reaction to that. Yeah. They yeah. like there's not this what is the word I'm looking for? There's is not an association. There's not a, a there's, consumer's there's association. Not a, there's not a I almost want to say like there's not a mojo about it. Well, it's not like a mojo's but, not the right word, but there it's like it's a vibe. There there <laughs> there is at least some aspect whether you whether you the quality that these guitars are made at is the quality that the the company demands from a specific right. factory. Right. They have specs. They're like this is what we expect. Mm-hmm. These are these are the specs we expect. These are the specs we expect. Uh and then the factory either meets them or they go find a new factory sort of thing or they build their own factory. And it's every detail. It's the way the frets are dressed. It's the thickness. It's the chemical comp- composition of the of of the finishing. It's the woods that are used. It's the pickups, the magnets in the pickups, and how mm-hmm. how the pickups are wound. It is all the details are decided for every single factory. I I think I think there's at least some intangibles that probably make it easier to an extent. Oh, so my thought is, is like, in okay, this modern world, I don't know, if, man, if Fender wanted to pick up and started making and start making Stratocaster Stratocasters in like Argentina, sure. Paraguay, Argentina is a big country. Let's say Paraguay that they would have, and they're going to use all Paraguayan workers. Right. Right. They're not going to just send, maybe they send some American engineers I know where Paraguay, you're going with this. Yeah. But they're going to use Paraguayan workers. I don't know. So if you reduce it down to like a mechanical binary, 100% they can make the product. But I do wonder how much of like at the higher levels, and maybe this is only at the highest levels, like a custom shop level, does it matter that the people who are building the instruments are also players? I don't think that like, matters a lot, you, but do you, but do you think you could? So what I'm saying is like, do you think given, I don't know how much time, I don't know how much time he would say it takes, but do you think like Doug Cower could move to Trinidad and Tobago and start making guitars there just using local labor and like he could just teach him to do it. So let's let's put out a hypothetical. What's what's the place you just named? Trinidad, Trinidad, Paraguay, Paraguay, Trinidad and Tobago. I don't know. So so say Fender, Gibson, et cetera, whoever decides they are going to build their top of the line guitars in Paraguay. Yeah, in Trinidad. <laughs> let's pick one I can Should say. Have picked you know. Uh... Pick one I can say, Steve. 
uh, let's say Yemen. Yemen. Perfect. Yemen. I can say That's Yemen. I figured you could say. Yeah, I can say that one just fine. So they decide that their top of the line instruments are going to be made in Yemen. Right. By Yemenese people. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're Yemenese. Um, sorry to the, the people in Yemen if I totally mangled that. Uh, it's nothing personal. I think they are Yemen. It's my ignorance. They're, right? they're Yemeni. Like Saudi, like Yemen. Okay, Yemen. They just add the I. I'm not going to say it again. Um, <laughs> what's going to happen, it's not immediate, but what's going to happen is because there's people in those factories working at that level mm-hmm. eventually, and because it builds the notoriety of like, oh man, these people in Yemen are really just cranking out amazing guitars. Then you start to develop people who are like, yeah, I, I've gotten really good at this. Now I'm like a celebrity builder here in Yemen. I'm going to go out on my own. Right. It's a thing that builds. That's and true. Be, and because the USA already has this established association mm-hmm. with quality builds because the main big companies, they make their USA products quality builds. All of the small builders, all the boutique builders in the USA benefit from that. Mm-hmm. They benefit yeah. from that association, whether they're at that quality level or not. I mean, Doug Cower is definitely like at sure that quality level for sure. But everyone who isn't still benefits from that association. Yeah. And you can, and you can like connect the dots, right? Like, right. Famously, the heritage guitars were being made in Kalamazoo in the old Gibson plant by former Gibson, like basically Gibson employees who are like, I don't want to move to Nashville. Right. Um, the uh, Leo Fender left Fender and started uh, was it GLF or whatever? Well, he did, event, he was like at Music Man and then he started G&L. was it Music uh, yeah. Music Man and then GNL. So he like you know he's spreading what he knows, right? Right. right. Um, John Sir of Sir Guitars was a Fender guy for a really long time. Ron Thorne, I don't even know who he works for now. Does he work for himself? Does he work for Fender? There's a guitar. Does it, does, does it just depend on the day of the week? I'm not really sure. There's a guitar we're going to cover next episode. Who It was built by a guy who built like 100 guitars in the 80s, mm-hmm. and he was an ex-Fender employee, mm-hmm. and his guitars go for thousands and thousands of dollars now, but he only built 100 of them, and I'd never heard of him before. But because he has those associations, and because there's this prestige. Now it hurt. Is it uh, like Robin? No. Okay. No, you won't. You, I don't, I'll be surprised if you right. are familiar with them. Um. No, so th- so those kinds of stories persist, and to that point, be- say, because yeah. because those types of brands exist, uh, and you know you've got, and then you have guys who Grover Jackson, Jackson guitars. How many people does Grover Jackson build necks for? Sure. Like, uh, as a, I don't know if he's still doing it, but for a long time he was like the OEM neck guy for a lot of higher end brands. Yeah, um, guys like that that. Someone like Doug Cower can spend uh, a couple years like slugging along on his own and then go to Nam or go to uh, some kind of guitar show or whatever, meet these other people who go like, oh, you have a really cool product. We should talk shop sometime. And now you just have this, this network that exists. Yeah. To an extent, I think you're starting to see that in some, obviously like that's basically the Fender Japan story. 
Right. And it really is, right? Like, well, Fender Japan has an amazing reputation now. They so do, like, but but all of that started with like like Fujijengaki and all that. They're building, they're building copies for like Tokai and whatever. And then Fender was like, well, if you can't beat them, we'll just buy it. Like, we'll just license the factory and you can build our stuff. So bef- before Fender Japan and Ibanez really took off, Japanese guitars were like, oh, these like weird, like they're almost Italian in vibe yeah. where like they're like the, the parts are weird and like they're, it looks like someone just copied a picture out of a catalog to make this guitar yeah. sort of thing. But then they transitioned from what was like weird import status guitars to like, man, really great stuff is coming out of Japan. Yeah. And now if you find out that some guitar is made in Japan, you're like, oh, oh, I, I yeah, that's, that's probably great. Japanese guitars are great because mm-hmm. you have these associations and it started, it's happening that way with Korean guitars. Yeah. Korean guitars have this reputation of being very, very well made at a very specific price point. They, the Korean guitars tend to land in this 800 to $1,300 price point, And they all have this really great, like quality control, like quality of build to them. They all yeah. have this very, like I could almost like, I could probably pick up a guitar and tell you if it was Korean or not at this point, because they have a very specific vibe to them. Sure. sure. You know, there's something about the finishing. There's something about the way the frets are dressed. There's something about the shapes of the necks and stuff like, oh, here's a Korean guitar. Mm-hmm. But that association is like, it doesn't matter what brand makes it at this point or is selling it. You're like, oh, Korean guitars. Those are great. You know, it's all about building up yeah. this association and, and with the location. And you do kind of already have that going on with Korea where it, where, you know, people are kind of starting to chase uh, Epiphones that were made in Korea. Right. That before, you know, they, they went to China, you're starting to see that collector's market come up. Now, a thought that I have, you know, speculating to the question of what's the next cool guitar country. So we're saying America. Cool. Uh, Japan. Well, I think I, I, I'm going to say like Korea what? is almost there. I think all Korea needs is boutique builders. Right. So that is, that's a thing. And, that's maybe, the and maybe they have some, I don't know. I just don't know. Sure. Um, I think there are other companies that, uh, that probably, you know, we we're kind of just ignoring all of Europe. Right. But I think we kind of like tend to lump in guitars built in the West into one big thing. Like nobody's going to pick up a Godan and be like, oh, this guitar is built in Canada. Like they're going to associate Canadian guitar quality with American guitar quality. It's kind of just this whole, and this is where I was like thinking at the beginning, it's almost like this birthplace of rock and roll thing. Like, all of these places have been exposed to rock music for a really long time. So they must be making good instruments. Uh, and when, if <laughs> let's not have rock music be <laughs> no, but like, think about it. Like, <laughs> the foundation of quality. If, if Germany, all of a sudden started coming out with like, like, and maybe they have some good guitar builders, yeah, I don't they know. Do. but, uh, if all of a sudden, like people were like really hyping it up, no one would question it. Sure. Whereas like if all of if, you know, in 10 years, people were like, man, like Indonesian guitars are where it's at. People are going to be like, what kind of music comes from Indonesia? Like people want to associate the instrument with something about that country's musical culture as it relates to the, the instrument itself. I think, I think a transition point is when 
you start to see the boutique builders show up. You start to see celebrity yeah. builders or you, yeah. celebrity factories, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, like that's the way the, the Japan associations are like, oh, it came out of this factory. It must be good sort of thing. Like if it came out of this factory in Korea, it must be good. Oh, it was built by this guy who started making his own guitars and he worked in the court factory or whatever. And, you know, like now right. he's making his own things to the quality that he wants to. Like those types of stories are what build reputations and open us up to guitars made in other geographies. There's nothing magical about something being made in any one spot. Mm-hmm. It's about there being a workforce there that cares about building them well, who that is being funded to build them well. Because Fender could pour the money in to build their highest quality guitars. The, the funding is probably a huge thing. Anywhere. I'm sure it's huge. The funding is a huge part of it. It's the investment from the companies that starts that ball rolling. And then eventually it's the small builders that, that help kind of like reinforce those ideas about that geography. So I'm going to, some people might think this is a hot take. I think it's logically sound. And because it's logically sound, I don't think it's as hot as it's going to sound, maybe sound as soon as I say it, say it, Steve. I'll tell you if it's hot or not. Western, I'll say Western, American, Canada, et cetera, Japan. Now, I'm not going to tier them. I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to say the United States, Western built guitar. So US, Canada, UK, Europe, whatever, and Japan. We'll just put them, we'll call it all S tier. Sure. Okay. Korea, well, maybe A, B tier. I think the, the next country to come up if you put look, if you're tiering all of this and you're saying, I think most people put China and Indonesia, at least for the products that are being pushed by uh, import brands. Right, right. Your Squires, your Epiphones, uh, your PRSI. Um, China and Indonesia are on pretty equal footing. Sure. But in terms of what is going to be the next cool guitar country, I think it'll be Indonesia before it's China. Really? Yes. And the reason for this, that I'm thinking this, is I think the existence of the AliExpress, Temu, Amazon market for $200 Chinese guitars is going to exist longer. Sure. Then like you said, it's all about breaking out. Well, there's, of this a, mold. there's a, there's this huge cookie cutter kind of clony sort of reputation that comes with Chinese right. cheap stuff where it's just like, Oh yeah, they're just stamping out guitars there. It does in the West, in America and elsewhere in the West, we don't have an impression from China that, these that these instruments are being made by people who care i don't think that's true because we see companies mm-hmm. like like ert and other companies we're like talking to the leadership and interacting with the people who are building these brands they seem to actually really be yeah. into yeah. their guitars and really into the, a, the details a, a and few specs. a few years ago like when we were talking right. to music area about their cases like the dude who did the marketing for them but that was like a real per, a real guitar player. That interaction that we've had the privilege of having is not translating to the consumers. No, I, I, they don't. They, they, and, they, for the, the the vast majority of Chinese 
manufactured products, they feel like there's no personality behind them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They just feel like, oh, here's here's the thing. It's it's two hundred dollars instead of four hundred dollars. If I had bought the Korean one, you know, like if that's what it feels like. They're not, and they haven't figured out because they're they're the way that they market is just like, here's the thing. We made a lot of them and they're cheap. We're the West wants the personality. They want the story. Right. They want vibes you know and it's really hard to get the vibes through the channels where we get these products and we're getting products that they're they are just cookie cutter stamp outs right they don't we're not getting the vibes because they don't have the vibes i i fully believe that the people of china can produce amazing instruments oh absolutely with with their whole heart and soul behind them and make things that are, are come from them instead of just being stamp out copies of what they've seen in catalogs from the West. Right. So my, my only, my, the reason I'm thinking about this in terms of like favoring Indonesia is because what I envision in my head is that same scenario you're talking about guys working in a factory, Epiphone factory in, in China versus a guy working in the PRS factory, world music factory in Indonesia excuse me, both of them decide one day I can do this on my own. I don't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take everything I learned. I'm going to save up. I've been saving this money for a long time. I'm going to buy my own CNC machine. I'm going to make my own guitars. The guy who starts selling a handmade Indonesian guitar, he's going to try to sell it for 1500 us. And he's going to say, yeah, you can buy an Indonesian guitar for, from Paul Reed Smith or whatever. I don't know what the most expensive SE is. $800, $900, let's say. Or you can buy mine for $1,500. And I built, I designed and built all of this. Right. Uh, And, you know, it'll probably, it'll be a a nod to a Strat or whatever because they always are. Right. Hold on. Okay. Um, And somebody will look at that and be like, well, I've played a lot of other Indonesian guitars and they were all, uh, uh, you know, good to above average quality. I'm willing to take a risk on a guy who says that he used to make reverends or whatever, or used to make PRSs and now he's independent. But the, but the guy who does that in China, not only does he have to say, I worked in the Epiphone factory and now I'm going off on my own making guitars and my guitar at $1,500 is better than an Epiphone, uh, What's the what's the series the like nine hundred dollar Epiphone Prophecy series right? So mine's fifteen hundred, theirs is nine hundred, and people are going to look at that and say, "What separates your guitar at fifteen hundred dollars? How do I know that when I buy your guitar, I'm getting an Epiphone Plus Plus model, a Super Epiphone, whatever, and not AliExpress? Right. And that's a thing. So now he's got to overcome to like not only the the, well, I can get an Epiphone from your country for nine hundred. I'm not going to pay fifteen hundred, which is the same fight that the Indonesian builder has to have. But he also has to fight the reputation of the the punch punch card, right? The guitar, cookie cutter, the cookie cutter guitars. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's a tough spot. It is a tough but spot. But I agree with you 100. percent Like it, it is doable. It's not like the people are incapable of doing it. It's a standard that's enforced, and if if the individual wants to enforce that standard, it's the same reason why when you buy a Firefly or a Groat or whatever of these, you know, sub $400, sub $300 Chinese guitars, 
sometimes you get one that aside from microphonic pickups could be on the level or higher than an Epiphone. It could even be on at the same quality level. You as have to American get lucky, guitar. but sometimes it happens because, because it can happen, right. but because the QC standards aren't being enforced, you know, eight well, hour, they're, eight they're, hours a day, all shift long. They have the funds to build guitars that sell for $200. No, exactly. like, like there's not a big investment into and there's the quality. There's almost no investment. There's I no think. investment into the quality. Uh, they have just enough investment to make a guitar shaped object that happens to have yeah. frets and pickups. Like, but I, I want to go back to saying like, I think the the thing that's missing is this connection of like, the person behind what's being built. Mm-hmm. Like if, if some builder in China is making guitars that can outdo say a $3,000 PRS. Right. But because they're in China, they, they like to enter the market, they have to list them at twelve thirteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. and they're having a tough time selling them. It's because people don't, there's no personal connection. They haven't figured out like everyone wants to buy a PRS because there's Paul Reed Smith behind it. Right. Like who is this person building it? There needs to be that personal connection. And as an example, I want to, do you know, C hat? There's it a, sounds familiar. There's a guy in Indonesia. Okay. Whom, who his company is C hat effectors. Okay. And he has an online persona. Mm-hmm. You can follow him on Instagram and he makes cool stuff like this. He makes fuzz pedals where he's like sand casted and poured the metal enclosures himself and like chromed them and did all. And like his pedals are wild, but you get, you see his personality. You see that this is a person building these things. He's in Indonesia. If you, if someone told you, Oh, there's this really cool pedal company company in Indonesia, you're thinking K Mize. You're thinking like, you're thinking some weird, like little affordable thing. No, he's a boutique builder. Right in Indonesia making stuff that I look at, I haven't even heard it and I drool over it. Cause like that looks freaking cool. It, it all looks like one off. It's got high personality. You see the guy he's pushing himself as the face of the mm-hmm, company. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Like if there's anyone in China or anywhere else that wants to market their Chinese or, or import instruments, you have to, you have to connect the personality of the person building them to the consumer because that's what Westerners want. Fender, there's not Leo Fender behind it anymore, but that's all that personality is baked in well, already. Well, now they and they've taken that personality and they've taken the reputations of right. decades of Dick Dale, right. Keith Richards, David Gilmore. Their pre- you know, personalities are their well established legacies. You don't if you don't have a legacy, yeah. you have to start building one and you do it with personality. Yeah. And and of course, a good product. Of course, a good product. And there are countries that, like, you don't think of that I know uh, are making really good products. Like, we see these at at, uh, different events, you know, whether it's, like, Cream Guitars. Right. You know, they're they're building a premium guitar in Mexico that's getting a lot of attention because the the guitars guitars themselves have a lot of personality. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, and they're connecting with people in a way that I, I think works with the way that they're using social media. And there's a lot of, um, I've been a lot of, uh, pedal companies, uh, in Mexico and in South America, uh, that are doing that. And I could see Brazil actually becoming a, a guitar building hotspot because a lot of people there really care about guitar. All they have is Tajima. But with that, what I was saying, you get Tajima employees going out on their own, right? Right. Building things the way they want them. 
we could see 20, 30, 40 years down the road from here, Brazil being a hot spot for guitar manufacturing. That so, would have been the real curveball if to, to pick for the next cool guitar country is a country like Brazil, where right now you can only name one brand right. out of Brazil. But yeah, no. The, but they, mean, have, they, have a, they have a strong guitar culture there. How do I know they have a strong guitar, guitar culture there? Is because Brazilians are constantly commenting on videos and telling me they're in Brazil. Yeah. Like hey, from Brazil, love the video. Like, probably more than any other is that, country. Is that where Carlos is from? No, Carlos is from Spain. Why did I think he was from Brazil? I have no idea. I thought there was someone that we like knew that was like a Brazilian YouTuber. And, like all their I videos were think, in Portuguese. I can't think I, of him. Okay, I don't. First you might be. Thought, you might be right. Oh no! You know what I'm thinking of is is don't they say that every time is it Slash? Every time Slash releases a guitar for Gibson, they all sell out, but they're all being sold to Brazil. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Well, there's a there's a big thing where like a lot of uh, American like arena bands yeah. will tour down to South America. Mm-hmm. And we figured out years ago, the big reason for it is because it's all the same time zones. <laughs> so you get, you get all your Metallicas and stuff like that. They're all like kind of aging. They don't really, they can't really handle, you know, the stress of going on a, a European tour. That's going to jet lag right, them for a week. Right. Like, Let's just go down to Brazil. And the, the people down there go crazy yeah. for it. Like the, the huge, huge festival shows, for American bands. Like they, they love it down there. We, I've long thought that we should, or maybe at least I should try to go down to Brazil and do like a road case down there and try to go film guitar stuff. But I have, I don't know the first thing about traveling in Brazil. So who knows? Last ad, let's do it. This is a long episode. This ad was sent by snarky. Thanks snarky about this listing. Looks to be homemade, funky, cool looking guitar. Not sure what parts they had on it. Uh, neck has a very slight, Sorry, I'm making a note. Has a very slight back bow in it right now, but I don't know how it will be once you string it up. It'll be, oh, it's it's a back bow. Maybe I'll straighten it out. Maybe. I've never seen tension on this guitar. It looks to be of decent amateur quality. <laughs> Missing one of the dots in the fingerboard. Please see photos for conditions. Still does this as, pro, as a project with no refunds or exchanges. Did I get a price on it? I don't know. Did you? All right. Oh, there it is. $219 plus $50 shipping. Oh, so $269. <laughs> nice. This neck looks like it was used to be some maybe a Tysco. Yeah, it's got that Tysco sort of. It, it, what, what it is is it has the two holes where the string retainer would be, yeah. that bar that would go across. Um, I don't know if that's the original shape for the headstock, but it is wild. I, I don't hate it. I do not hate it. It actually it's so weird that it works with the rest of the guitar the body it's going in an interesting direction like i could fix this with about an hour's worth of work in adobe illustrator like redoing the body a little bit i thought you i was like ryan you cannot (laughs) reshape this guitar it's gonna take you an hour just to get through that paint job but there's things that i like about this i like that kind of unique german carve where it's more like it's not a german carve it's more like sunk into the body giving a channel right, right. around the edge giving you this three-dimensional sort of thing i like the color the colors i don't usually like that sort of color but it's really attractive on this mm-hmm. um i like where they're going with the horn shapes but things are scaled a little weird that top horn it needs to match the uh the bull horn qualities of the lower horn better and the butt needs to be bigger i don't always say that 
but in this case, the butt needs to be bigger. Uh, it's it's got these this big horns, tiny butt sort of thing going on, where it's just like, you know, if the horns were made smaller, I think it would it would like work in like a parlor guitar scaled sort right, of way. Right. I mean, this is it's it's parts like it doesn't have pickups, it doesn't have a bridge, it doesn't have electronics, it doesn't have tuners, it, it doesn't have strings. It is a project guitar. It's someone's uh, homemade bandsaw guitar. This shape. should be $75. Oh, it should be free. <laughs> like, this shouldn't cost money. The like, routing on here. Well, so it's funny because the routing for the trim cavity, which this also kind of makes me wonder how much of a home project this is because that is a Tysco style uh, trim cavity. It could have been um, a bigger guitar that they, that they carved down. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but... The, the I don't know what because that's a huge top horn. The pickup spots and the control cavity both look like they were routed with a spoon. Well, part of the problem is this that it, this looks like it has at least twenty cans of spray paint on it. Like that paint is it, so yeah, thick, at least. And I think there, my gut is that there's a bondo situation going on, or it was just they, they layered so much wet paint and didn't let it dry in between those those cracks on the the front of it. That's like you've you've caked so much wet material on there that it cracked when it dried. Like that's what happened. But yeah, this should be free. It looks like it was a base, maybe. Like that that do you bridge think it was a base. That bridge placement makes me think base. Even though that doesn't make any sense because it's carved out. But I don't see a place where there's supposed to be a bridge no, mounted yeah, maybe. where's the bridge you know maybe it was a floating like a, a just a wood bridge also super weird that it's a set neck when it's like this definitely looks like it started out as a bolt-on yeah so i'm thinking the neck got glued into this body and then they they did that and they just painted over it they did like some rasping and some sanding to give that smooth connect there they put so many coats of paint on this guitar that <laughs> it just looks like it's, it's just next to like it's that there's no glue. It's just paint. <laughs> he does say that this guitar's never had tension on it. Oh yeah. So, Who knows? Who knows? As soon as you'd start to tune it up, it could just like fly off. Oh man. This is gross. I, I like looking at it. The way that the headstock connects to, to the neck, the way it flares out on the edges of the nut is really unique too. Oh man, I bet someone out there will be able to identify this headstock and be like, "Oh, I know what that came from," and it's either they it was either carved up or that's original. I like looking at it though. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to even offer to take it off their hands for free. But there's something about it. It, it has a it has a charm to it that I don't mind. Right. So are we ready? Are we ready to make decisions? I think so. Okay, so we had uh, that funky green thing. We had the slightly dusty PV, and we had the Cobain uh, Sky Staying. Yeah. What are you going for? I'm going for that slightly dusty. Me too. PVT40. Me too. Uh, that was sent by Jason, Jason Welch. Congratulations, and thank you for the scotch. We've been enjoying it very, very much. What did you think, Steve, of the scotch? I liked it. I like it a lot. I'm not a big scotch guy. I'm not a big... Just not a, I don't know. He also sent the Malort. Would you rather drink that? No. 
No. I like how far I like I tried to soften what I was saying about the Malort when I drank it because it was a new and unique experience. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, like no, I get it. Like it's 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 a unique flavor. Like I understand what's going on here. Like, and then I did not finish the cup, which is the first time in the history of anything. This was on the five hundredth episode live stream. I poured a, a cup with like an inch of Malort in it. I did not finish it. I took one sip and I I can't go back. I think I finished it. Really? If I I don't remember pouring it out, so like I, I must have finished it. I didn't want to like. Oh no! You know what? I drank straight from the can. Oh you, yeah, because I gave you that mason jar. So I drank it. I was drinking it yeah. straight from the mason jar. I just put the cap back on the mason jar. Uh, the alcohol level in it is enough that I'm sure it's still sterile. I didn't want to like fall back and sound like one of the people who reviews Malort and says all these wild things about what it tastes like, but honestly, it tasted like burnt hair and burnt rubber. It tastes like all of the terrible things you hear about it. It's, uh, it's all true. Every bit of it is true. I, if you get the chance to try it, do it. I still like the idea that, like, this is what you drink, like, if your buddy gets a raise or if your buddy's getting married or something mm-hmm. like that. This is mm-hmm. like, we're all getting out. We're getting Malort shots together. It's a bonding experience. Like yeah. if, 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 if us and a bunch of buddies went out, we all had a shot of Malort to start the night. It can only get better from there. Well, we'll keep, I'll keep that jar on my shelf and you keep your bottle on your shelf and we'll drink it again on the thousandth episode. I'm going to have that bottle in my cabinet at least until Henry turns 21, and I'm definitely going to make him take a shot of Malort I was gonna, on his for, 21st for birthday. For the thousandth episode virtual helmet live stream, because by then they'll have VR mostly perfected. Right, right. We'll just be like, we'll be like the little hollow uh, emitter. It'll all be inside our, Star Wars. our eyeballs, yeah. and we'll all just live in this virtual world, and it'll be hell. Ryan. Yes, Steve. This song was sent by Gerhard Vogel. He says, a great demo. I hope that you will enjoy. Hey, guys, I look forward to your show every Monday when it hits my By the way, we're almost out of songs, so if you want to send us a song, send it to 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com, mp3, downloadable link, whatever. That works. If we run out... I say a downloadable link, not a link, because we need to be able to download it. If we run out, I'm not going to do national anthems like I used to. I'm just going to... Go through the entire Dinosaur Ghost album, song by song. That'll give us uh, an extra, what, 10, 12 weeks? Yeah, and it'll demonetize every video. <laughs> yeah, it'll demonetize it, but it'll redirect it to you. Right, but then CD Baby will get their cut. Oh, yeah, you that's know? true. Uh, I, I look forward to your show every Monday. Uh, you all make me laugh and chuckle sardonically. I am a total gear nerd with over 120 pedals, 11 guitars, 10 amps, and tons of other stuff to make my music. Here's my band. One of us. Caribou Gone with a song called Cool Customers. All guitars are recorded from either pedals direct into DAW or a Fryette Valvulator GPDI direct into DAW. No emulators or IR were used. All details. Oh, he, he gave me a link, so I'll have the link below. You can find videos of us on YouTube, and our music is on the streaming services. We play live gigs in the Minneapolis area, where I get to use an admittedly outrageous wet, dry, wet rig based mostly on a Friedman BE100 run mono in the center and through massive stereo processing on either side. Nice. Share it's a drag to schlep the gig uh, to the gig, but I love the sound experience so much it's worth it. Can't wait to hear this thing.
What do you think, Steve? In my head, when I think of Minneapolis, I think of Minnesota. And so I always expect everything, music from Minnesota, to sound like indie folk, whatever. But if you played this track to me and you said, what does this song sound like? I would say it sounds like Los Angeles. Yeah. And then you would say, no, it's Minneapolis. And then I would be like, oh, yeah, dumbass. This sounds exactly like Minneapolis. Because this is like the print sound. Right, right. Which is, there's a ton of bands from Minneapolis that, like, this sound is a uniquely Minneapolis sound. It's really cool. I like it. I thought it was great. And because I think it was great, you've earned something that a lot of songs don't get from me. You're going to get criticism. (laughs) Because I... Because it's really good as a fan of like new, new wavy, like eighties type stuff. Um, okay. There was just a bit too much going on. You have really, really strong core there. Really, really strong parts throughout. You need to, you need to go through and you need to cut out everything that isn't like top shelf strong. There's not a lot in there that I'm talking about, but there's things that are, that are, uh, complicating it more than it needs to be simplify. You've got, you've got a lot of really great stuff in there. Simplify it, like pair it back. And it's going to make you feel uncomfortable because you're going to be proud of all those tracks. You're going to be proud of all of it. And it's going to be hard. But if you simplify that, you take, you take it down from being a sub sandwich that has just thousands of layers of things in it. And you take it down to just like a Reuben. It's got three ingredients and they're all perfect. That's what I'm talking about. Like, just, it's really good. So, thank you. Thank you for sending that in. Bye, everybody. Stay grounded.